Hello and welcome to the JCBC Podcast. My name is Sean, and I'm so grateful that you found our podcast. Listen, the JCBC Podcast is a collection of several sermons that have been preached over the years at Johns Creek Baptist Church. I pray that as you find these sermons and you listen to them, they would meet you where you are in your journey. And I trust that God will do something in these words to lift up your head, if only for a little while. So go ahead and subscribe to us and follow along. In 891, three Celtic monks get into a boat on the coast of Ireland. They have no oars. The boat has no rudder, no sail, and they shove off into the sea. They have three days' worth of provisions, but miraculously, they last seven days at sea. Eventually, they land at Cornwall in the south of England, and King Alfred of Wessex sends for them. When they stand before the king, he has two questions to ask them. He says, where have you come from, and where are you going? Those aren't really bad questions to ask these days, are they? There are bad questions to ask during pandemic, during this season that we've never experienced before. Where have we come from and where are we going? They're not bad questions to ask in the middle of this sermon series where you and I are studying liminal seasons, how to navigate. How to literally navigate the uncharted waters between the already and the not yet. The king asks and says, where have you come from and where are you going? And their answer was brilliant. They said, we stole away because we wanted for the love of God to be on pilgrimage. We cared not where. Is that the most amazing answer you've ever heard? We stole away because we wanted for the sheer love of God to be on pilgrimage and we didn't care where it was. They were part of a tradition in Celtic Christianity known as the peregrinatio. Peregrinatio is simply a word that means the perpetual pilgrimage. There was this whole orientation, a whole tradition, a way of life in which the Celtic Christians during a particular era understood that all of life is a pilgrimage and some would voluntarily go on sometimes very risky journeys so that on their journeys between the already and the not yet, they're forced to learn how to, well, to depend upon the provisions of God day by day by day. One of the most famous peregrini, you know, a person on a peregrinatio, his name was St. Columbanus, and St. Columbanus referred to Christians as hospitus mundi. There's a lot of Latin at the front end of the sermon, isn't there? Well, hang with me, because hospitus mundi means guests of the world. There was a whole orientation, a whole way of thinking about existence in Christ in which we were constantly guests of the world. Now that's very counterintuitive to you and me. At least it's 
It goes against the grain of my instinct, right? Don't we always typically want to settle down? We typically want to, to, to put roots down somewhere, to lay a foundation and conquest and conquer and set goals and accomplish them. But hospitus mundi was a whole way of being in which the Christians who followed Jesus understood they were always guests of the world. What would it look like for you and for me to consider this liminal season in which we find ourselves, well, hospitus mundi, guests in the unknown, the, the world in which we must rely upon the provisions of God each day by day, because here comes this pandemic, and, and even though you and I try to resist these seasons in which we lose control, the pandemic has revealed a truth that has always been a reality about our species, <laughs> is that ultimately, we're not ultimately in control of this life. And you and I have whole uh, eras in the history of Christianity, whole eras, when we used to remember that, well, the unknown season is not something to dread, but the unknown season is something to embrace. Because our faith in Jesus Christ not only gives us the, the ability to, to endure the unknown, to endure the, the space between the already and the not yet, the liminal season, our faith has the ability to actually make us want to embrace it. Because if we understand our faith, we understand that it's in the liminal season, in the space between the already and not yet, between the familiar and the unknown, when God does God's best transformational work in us. But it requires something on our part. You know what it requires? It requires that we find the courage to let the Lord show us the power of presence. Can I just get you to maybe sit with that phrase for just a moment? The power of presence. Yeah. See, in the Bible, you know, we've been talking these past several weeks that there are these amazing, gorgeous, sweeping themes in the Bible that if you have the eyes to see them, you just now, now once you see them, you cannot not see them. We've been talking about these themes of wilderness or the themes of pits. The themes of exile, we could even say the, the pit of the, the, the theme of presence, right? One of the themes, if you have the, the eyes to look for it or to see it, is the theme of presence. It's weaved all throughout this sacred text. God walks with Adam in the cool of the day. The Israelites just freshly liberated from Egypt are, are now in exodus, right? But God is present with them in a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Joshua conquests the promised land, but there's a little uncertainty at the front end. And God says, do not fear or worry, for I am with you. And I don't know about you, but I mean, it's all over the text, all over the scriptures. But for me, the seasons in which I have felt most unsure, 
those moments or experiences when I have been in the unknown, in waters without oars to control my own path. It's been the 46th Psalm and the beginning of those comforting words, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change, though the mountains shake in the heart of the sea, though the waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble with its tumult. It's all through scriptures, but maybe one of the most powerful, one of the most powerful demonstrations of presence is in the incarnation of God where God chooses in space and in time to be enfleshed in the person of Jesus Christ. And and we open up this, this gorgeous prologue to the Gospel of John, and we hear that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and nothing that exists, exists without him. Everything exists, it exists because of him, and all that does exist in him is life and that life is is the light of all people and the rest of that prologue moves toward the 14th verse where we hear and the word became flesh and dwelt among us see in Jesus the divine became present in time and space And you and I who are created in the image of God recognize that the nature of God is to be present with those who he has created. And if you and I are created in the image of that kind of God, you and I have the capacity to actually be present with one another and with God. And the pandemic kind of forces to the surface a kind of calling I mean, a, like a, a clarion call to you and me created in the image of the God who is present, the God who shows up. The pandemic calls us to show up, to be present right here and right now. In other words, maybe our call in this liminal season is to be here, be now. That's what God has always done with God's people. God has been here and has been now all throughout the course of human history. And yet it's not always easy for you and for me, especially during the pandemic when we just wish this thing would resolve. In fact, it's hard for us to be present, not just in the here, but especially in the now when this seems like it. It's taken so long. Sometimes Laura will look at me if I'm, I've got this look on my face like I'm a thousand miles away, you know, and I'm thinking about a 10,000 other things. And she, maybe she's saying something and I see her mouth moving and I'm nodding, and I'm, but I'm not there. You know what I'm talking about, right? And she says, where are, where are you? Where are you? She's right, but, but maybe another question that she could ask is, when are you? 
When are you? Because sometimes I'm, I, I'm thinking about all the things that happened yesterday or last week, or, or I'm thinking about the, the dozen things I have to do tomorrow or next week. And sometimes we are tugged backward and forward. And in so being tugged, we, we're challenged to actually be present in the space between where God is attempting to do something here and now. Sometimes we get stuck in the past. Some of us get stuck in the past for a couple of different reasons. You can be stuck in your past, you can be stuck in the future, but sometimes we get stuck in the past for a couple of reasons because sometimes we're stuck because we're idolizing the past and sometimes we're stuck because we're regretting or we're, uh, we are uh, idealizing the past, or we are regretting the past. Which is it for you? See, sometimes we get stuck and can't be present because we're thinking about the past and we're idealizing it, as in, oh, those were such better days. The glory days. The trouble with the glory days is that they are never really actually as good as we think they were. We will redact the memories of our past, whether it's a past season a former job that we had. Maybe it was another city we lived in or it was the old house we used to live in or another relationship we used to be in. And we'll idealize the past and we'll live off of the highlight reels of the high moments in the past. And the trouble with doing that is that means the present can never compare with the idealized version of what we used to remember it's like the saying goes, the older I get, the better I was, right? The trouble is, if you are stuck in the past because you idolize something in the past, like familiarity and predictability and control and the way things were, then we miss the possibility of seeing the holy and the grace right here and now, which is typically where God always is. But sometimes we don't just get stuck in the past because we, we idealize it. Sometimes we get stuck in the past because we regret it. Yeah. Sometimes we regret the past because that's where we failed. And there was something that happened and, and we sinned, we fell, and, and we can't seem to move forward and even though we recognize that God has the capacity to forgive us, and even if we acknowledge that maybe God has forgiven us, we can't forgive ourselves because we keep replaying the thing that was said, the thing that was done, and we are stuck there and cannot be present. Or we regret the past because of something that was done to us. Because that was the day that I was wounded. That's the day I lost the, the job. That's the day that we foreclosed, that's the day he walked out. And we get stuck there, and in being stuck there, we never see how much we have here in the midst of the liminal. The truth is, Scripture always calls us to more. We know that in Isaiah, we read these amazing words. From Isaiah, do not remember the former things or consider the things of old. I'm about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Sometimes we get stuck in the past, idealizing or regretting. 
But some of us don't get stuck in the past. Some of us can't be here and be now because we get stuck in the future for a couple of reasons too. Some of us get stuck in the future because we're dreaming about it. Or sometimes we get stuck in the future because we're dreading it. Yeah. Sometimes we're stuck in the future because we're dreaming about it. We're constantly in this mindset that there's got to be something better. There's got to be a better place to live, a better job to work. There's got to be a better experience that I'm in. Lord, just get us out of this season of the in-between. Let's go to the next, the next, the next. And we dream about it. And in dreaming about moving forward, we miss the possibility of seeing the grace of the moment right here and right now. And sometimes we, we get stuck in the future not because we're dreaming about it, but sometimes we get stuck in the future because we're, we're dreading it. Because we know that the meeting is going to happen. We know that the transition will take place. We know the move is ahead of us. We know that treatment will begin in a couple of weeks. And we don't know the outcome. And sometimes we catastrophize because when we don't know the outcome, we, we think the worst. Catastrophizing is assuming that the worst case scenario will be real when it hasn't happened yet and we don't know that it will happen and we get stuck in the future not recognizing the beauty and the grace of the moment. There used to be a, a, a Christian group called Point of Grace. You may remember some of their music. and They had a song, This Day is Fragile, Soon It Will End. And when it has vanished, it will not come again. So let us love with a love pure and true until this day is through. See, we get stuck in the future because we either, you know, we either dream about it or we dread it. We get stuck in the past because we either idealize it or regret it. But we know scripture calls us to more. In the book of James, we hear these words. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we'll go to such and such a town and spend a year there doing business and making money. Yet you do not even know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you're a, you're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. What if you and I could learn to value the fragile nature of the right here and the right now? Do you know that our Lord Jesus, he, he compels us to stay here and stay now, to be here and be now with his words from Matthew's gospel. Listen to these words, Sue, do not, do not worry, he says. Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring enough worries of its own. We know that's true. But today's trouble is enough for today. So how about recognize that where we are, as uncomfortable and unmoored as it may feel, right here and right now is where God is. So what do we do? What do we do if we recognize that sometimes I spend most of my days thinking about yesterday? And what do we do 
if sometimes we, we recognize I spend most of my time thinking about tomorrow and I, I miss this whole spread of time in which the holy, the, the divine, is attempting to be seen and heard and experienced, what do we do? Well, we, we learn to use two powerful words. Just this. I know it sounds silly. It sounds ridiculous. But try it. Just this. What if in all of your busyness, you learn to simply remind yourself, all I have in front of me is just this. What if a daily practice is so literally ceasing the memories and ceasing the dreading What if a daily practice is to be present right here, right now? You're at dinner, and you're paying for dinner, right? You wore masks on the way in. You find a booth, and you're with people that you love, and you take the mask off to eat, and yet the phone goes off, and it blows up. It's buzzing. It's just lots of stuff going on. But what if, unless the house is burning down, you stick the phone in your pocket or maybe put it face down on the table or better yet off the table in the purse or something and say to yourself just this or you're at the kids game or maybe before the games get going again you're in the backyard watching the the kids and and you could be working and during these days of COVID, when, when so many are working from home and now home is the office and the, the, the work hours blur to where you don't know when you're starting and when you're stopping work and it just kind of bleeds on into the night, creating a new kind of exhaustion. What if you learn to say this hour, just this, just this. There was a missionary who was famously, uh, he, he lost his life serving some indigenous peoples in South America. His name was Jim Elliott. You remember uh, the name maybe. He, he had something to say about this. Jim Elliott says it this way, wherever you are, be all there. Live to the hilt every situation you believe to be the will of God. The question I have for you is do you believe that God is present? Do you believe that he is an ever-present help in time of trouble? Do you believe, as troublesome and problematic as this pandemic is, do you believe that God is here? Do you believe that God is up to something in you through this? Then the calling that you and I have is to be here and be now in the midst of this uncertain time to embrace it as an opportunity to be transformed, live to the hilt every moment that you perceive to be the will of God. Because we can be distracted, right? We can be distracted by a thousand memories of the past and a thousand hopes of the future, but until we learn to be here and be now, we'll miss all of it. Growing up, my mother used to say, you know, today's the tomorrow you worried about yesterday. <laughs> That's not a bad bumper sticker, is it? Today's the tomorrow you worried about yesterday. So how about instead of wasting today so that tomorrow you remember having regretted and worried about the fault, how about 
just this, right here and right now. Years ago, the New York Yankees were playing the Milwaukee Braves in the World Series. Behind the plate for the Yanks was Yogi Berra, uh, the famous witty hind catcher. He's famous for talking to his players, trying to distract the other players. And up to the plate steps the, the biggest slugger that Milwaukee had on the team, Hank Aaron. Hank stands up there to bat and Yogi is talking to Hank Aaron and, and he, he's distracting him, trying to just talk it up. He says, Hank, you're holding the bat wrong. Hank, you're holding the bat wrong. Listen to me. You're supposed to hold the bat where you can read the label, where you can read the logo, where you can read the words on there. You're turning it the wrong way. Well, Hank ignored him. The first pitch he sent into the left field bleachers. He rounded the bases, and when he came back and touched home plate with a smirk, he said to Yogi, I didn't come here to read. <laughs> we can be distracted by a thousand things that make us think elsewhere yesterday, today. But just this, right here, right now, what would it look like for you to literally embody the belief that Christ is here? Not waiting on you in the future and not shaming you for something that happened in the past. What if you actually truly believed that he's with you in the boat with no oars, that he is with you in the pandemic trying to transform something in you? that could not be transformed yesterday nor tomorrow. There was this university professor who went to speak at an army base in December. He flies into this city and somebody from the base was sent to pick him up at the airport years ago. And he, he meets the guy. The guy's name is Frank, the soldier who goes to pick him up. The university professor notices something interesting about Frank. He would walk from baggage claim, and as they're walking along, he'd lose Frank. He'd turn around, and he wouldn't be with him. And then he'd see that Frank is over here. Well, he's helped this woman whose bag fell open and laundry kind of coming out of her luggage. They begin to walk along again. Then he loses Frank. Where'd he go? This time he's holding two kids, two little toddlers up so they can see Santa Claus, who's walking through the airport at the time. They walk along again. He loses Frank. Where'd, where'd you go? And he's, he's helping someone with directions, getting directions to the cab and so forth. As they finally get into the car and they're on their way, the university professor says, um, where did you learn to do that? He said, do what, sir? He said, where did you learn to be so helpful to everybody? You're helping everybody that we, we come across. He said, oh, I don't know. I, I guess the war. He said, well, he took a tour in Vietnam. He said, while I was there, my job was to clear minefields. And he explained that he saw so many of his buddies, his friends, die right before his eyes. So he said, as I was clearing minefields, I, I recognized that each step could be my last step. So I learned 
to live between the steps. I learned that every time I brought my foot up and before I put it back down, there was a whole world of existence and a whole life to be lived between one step and the next. And I think about that story and you and me because the reality is we are between steps right now. And maybe it's time for us to learn to live between the steps. For the first time in a long time throughout the history of Christianity, maybe the church itself is being called to live between the steps, to live between everything that we used to know and value and love and that which we don't know is coming. To be alive as the body of Christ, taking strides together between the steps. I don't know how you're hearing this this morning. I mean, if you're hearing what I'm saying, maybe you're hearing this and for the first time something is resonating with you. And maybe you're saying to yourself, I have never thought about this in this way. I've never thought about the possibility that all of my unsettled heart and, and that all of my anxiety that I carry around in my gut and all of my, my vexed thoughts about the, the unknown, what if... God, in the midst of all of that, is attempting to introduce God's self as an ever-present, present help in time of trouble. Maybe if that's a brand new thought to you, you should pray this, this way today. God, I recognize that maybe I've been Oh, running from you for a long time. And I've not really intended to run from you. It's not like I have something against you. But I, I never can connect with you because maybe I'm constantly thinking about my past. And I need you to, to show me that you have forgiven me. And I, I need you to show me that the thing that maybe happened to me does not own me anymore. Show me how to meet you here and now. Or maybe somebody needs to pray it this way. God, I am so worried about the thing that's coming. I am so, so dreading the transition that's ahead that maybe I have blown right by your divine presence right in front of my nose. But today I stop. And today I confess to you that I've come to the end of my worry, I've come to the end of all of my attempts to fix this transition I'm in, and I come to you and confess that I need something from you that I can't get on my own. I need you to transform me from the inside out. So I yield myself to you, and I am yours. Amen. So if you pray that, or something like that, I mean, if it's that honest, I promise you God hears. I assure you from experience that if you're honest with God and just stop long enough to do just this right here, right now, I yield myself before you, God. God will embrace you, 
and you will experience a transformation that maybe you've been waiting for for a long time. Yeah. And if you do, I want you to tell me about it. I'd like for you to email me and tell me how God has been speaking to you lately and the transformation that you've been experiencing in your journey with God. But wherever it is that you go from here into your new week, my prayer is that Christ would go before you to prepare your way. That Christ would go behind you on the days that you feel like retreating to encourage you one step forward at a time. May Christ go to your right and Christ to your left, abiding closer than even a sister or a brother. May Christ go above you on the days when dark clouds roll in to remind you there is one above the clouds who at the end of the day has the final word. May Christ go beneath you, girding you with confidence and removing all forms of fear. But mostly, may Christ go in you, transforming you from the inside out until your hearts beat in rhythm with his. Amen.